make a deal with Netflix and you don't have money that comes into you forever. You get paid and then money 20% more or 30% more, but you that's it. It didn't come natural to me. There's so many things that I think about now I wish I had known when I was younger. What I believe resonates with people who are particularly now is content that has some sort of meaning to it. It's more than just pure entertainment. And so suddenly MTV was the only thing, it seemed, in the whole world. And all of Hollywood and everybody else was taking their cues from this startup. I did not know a single writer when I became a writer. I think if you're trying to become a writer from someplace other than Los Angeles and New York, I still think that's really difficult. Welcome to Entertainment Business Wisdom with your host, Kaya Alexander. All right. Hi, and welcome to the show, everybody. I'm your host, Kaya Alexander host of the Hollywood Wolfpack podcast. I'm getting a dream come true today because I have a whole panel of writers in the house for you. And I'm so excited to talk to these powerhouses that are with us today who all had scripts, TV pilots on the stunt list. Let me tell you about the stunt list because this is an exciting new list in the industry where a lot of really interesting voices are being discovered. So the goal of the stunt list and its new original script divisions, the dead list and the originals bureau, is to amplify a diverse portfolio of voices through writer forward showcases and radical kindness. It's kind of like a Netflix for writers. The interactive website presentation showcases a complete brand image at the script stage. The aim is to give the industry a glimpse into how the screenplay would feel as a finished movie or TV show, right? Through a streaming style layout and theatrical like marquee that offers rad visuals, including poster artwork, trailers, proof of concepts, and script teasers. And in some cases, entirely produced pilot episodes, as you'll discover with a few of our special guests here today. You'll find sold and produced industry pros, repped and ready writers to undiscovered and underrepresented voices on the verge, right? Pre-WGA. Your next writer and your next green light are here. We are a team of writers and producers who find joy in giving back to this incredible community by volunteering to run the stunt list and its initiatives. You can learn more at officialstuntlist.com. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm so Sure. Thank you Hi, for having, having us. <laughs> we get to go around. I, I want you um, going to give everyone a chance to speak about themselves, their background, a little bit about their script that made this list, their story. So we are going to start with Nania. Hello, I'm Nania Taylor. I'm a screenwriter driven for a passion for storytelling across diverse genres. Um, one of my standout works um, and that is on the stunt list is as before, a tantalizing narrative revolving around a woman in a prime of her life who unwittingly causes her younger husband's demise, burying his body under her she shed, only to be shocked when he resurfaces two years later with an incredible tale of his whereabouts during his absence. But she knows where he's been 
dead and buried under her she shed. Right? Right? So who is this man who is identical to her dead husband in every way? And what secrets might he unravel from her past? A past shrouded with a long list of dead husbands. The series is a roller coaster of suspense and intrigue, drawing parallels to a gripping storytelling of like Dead to Me or Desperate Housewives. Um, brace yourself for a journey where buried truths and unexpected, unexpected identities collide that will hopefully keep you on the edge of your seat. All right. That is so compelling. Love it. Love it. Um, we will go to Tim. Hey, everyone. I'm Tim Westland, and I'm super chuffed to be on this panel. Uh, I'm a multi-genre writer in Southern California, and I like writing sci-fi, horror, dramedy, drama, action-adventure, rom-com, you name it. I started, my cat's about to jump on here and knock everything off my desk. Very um, I start, get away, go on. I started my writing journey back around 2010 by joining a small screenwriting group called Movie Poet, and they focused on teaching word economy and creativity in screenwriting. And after being a moderator on that site, I made the leap to writing features. Uh, since then, I've written more than a dozen features and four TV pilots. I've adapted two novels, a sci-fi called Quantum Lens and a horror called Chasing the Dead, which I adapted to a comic book series and a graphic novel published by IDW. Uh, I'm equally comfortable writing solo or with partners. Uh, my project on the Originals Bureau for the articles, which I describe as almost famous meets Boogie Nights, was co-written with an amazingly talented guy named John Robbins. And uh, that's me. All right, Tim, thanks. We're going to go to Jonathan. Jonathan! All right. Aloha, everybody. I'm Jonathan Melikidze. Uh, I'm a writer, uh, recently director, producer for the TV uh, comedy series Moku Moku, uh, set out here in Maui. Um, so, yeah, I wasn't as well prepared as uh, Tim and Anais. So, uh, basically, uh, so I grew up in Los Angeles, uh, grew up there, um, got into writing a little bit, dabbled into writing as I was bartending my way through failing out of college. And um, moved to uh, Maui, let's see, about 22 years ago and didn't think I was writing, but I had a stack of uh, stories and scripts and all kinds of stuff and uh, decided I should start doing it. So anyway, um, yeah, living out here and, and uh, being a bartender, I got to watch a lot of people and work with a lot of people and um, I got to just start embracing other cultures and i met a great co-creator kavika hope who wanted to get a comedy series out here uh sort of in the vein of letter kenny and reservation dogs uh we we got to know each other through another friend brad starks we started talking kavika and i had about two seasons punched out in about two nights and um it, it kind of just wrote itself from there um everybody in the script is based off of people i know and kavika knows and it's just really fun kind of watching come to life. We actually finished six episodes. Um, we, we had to stop a few days, um, because of the Lahaina fires, but we were able to kind of finish, finish up our last shoots uh, a few weeks ago. And we just aired our first pilot, uh, self distributing on 808mokumoku.com. There's a plug for you. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's about me. I don't know. There's other stuff, but I think that's good. Awesome. Yes, I have had Kavika on the show and we're big fans of Moku Moku. And I'm stoked that you gave the plug because I've seen the pilot and it absolutely slays and the whole world should watch it because it's a really funny show. And we don't have 
any shows with native Hawaiian representation that are like the all the cast, right? Um, which is so wonderful. It's really brilliant. So thanks for being here. Um, and we get, we're going to go to you, Liz. Liz is actually anchoring uh, the stunt list as one of our co-founders here today, too. So she's going to tell you a little bit about that as well. Woo! Right. I'm actually not a co-founder, just to clarify. Uh, the co-founders are Ash Laser and Eric Moyer. Um, I basically am logistics for the stunt list. So when Ash comes to me with a brilliant but slightly crazy idea, um, I say, okay, let's turn it into a spreadsheet and <laughs> figure out how to actually make it happen. Um, so that is what I do for the stunt list. And it has been um, a wonderful adventure. And I love um, the small part I get to play in supporting some writers um, projects. Yeah, um, as a writer myself, um, I write TV and features across genres, ignoring all good advice. Um, but no matter what the story, my brand is usually um, earnest characters struggling through coming of middle age crises and usually finding some romance along the way because I just can't help myself. Um, and yeah, that's me. We're going to go to Zach. Hey, how's it going? Thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me. Um, my name is Zach Morrison. I am a, a comedy writer and a filmmaker. Um, and I wrote and directed the TV pilot Canusa Street, um, which is a, a produced pilot on the stunt list this year. It's a half hour sitcom, very kind of jokey, single camera, like a Brooklyn Nine-Nine or Parks and Rec about U.S. Border Patrol agents in a town in Vermont where the Canada border cuts the town right in half. Um, and the show follows our lead agent on the American side and her twin sister, who is a Canadian Mountie and uh, very much like kind of jokey case of the week in this very real town that exists uh, in Vermont, which I kind of fell in love with over the pandemic. Because uh, the script was kind of my like, you know, sort of fuck it script, like we got to do something during uh, quarantine. Um, I started my journey, I mean, 10 years ago ish um, from New Jersey. I ended up doing my MFA in TV writing at Columbia, and that kind of was a life changing experience. And that's what brought me out to LA with um, my thesis film, which is a musical comedy called Everything's Fine A Panic Attack in D Major. Um, so, comedy has always been my thing. I've worked a bunch in late night. And um, yeah, I'm just trying to do do the funny stuff. That would that would be great. Awesome, Zach. Thank you. We're going to go to Yelena. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Kaya. I am Yelena War. And if you know that name, it's probably because you know me from Twitter, where I had a very strange viral moment that kind of launched my writing career in 2020, where I accidentally wrote a West Wing spec on Twitter. Uh, before that, I grew up in Colorado with no TV, no access to pop culture of any kind, and just sort of spent my whole childhood yearning for that era of Kurt Vonnegut and Isaac Asimov publishing stories in serialized magazines and newspapers. was like, too bad. I don't get to do that. That's over. I was born too late. Went into big tech, spent 10 years there, and then all of a sudden started watching TV and found out that that kind of storytelling actually does exist. I just didn't know that TV was good. Uh, so fast forward to now, I have a project on the stunt list. I've been working on my uh, my writing career for some time. My project that is on the stunt list is called Catabasis. It is based on the Greek myth of Orpheus and Eurydice, but it is set in a near future where warfare has gone virtual. But the consequences are still real. People who are killed on the virtual battlefield go to a lawless underworld metropolis and are never allowed to return to the surface. 
And that, of course, is where we get our Orpheus and Eurydice, because our, our main girl, the love of her life is sent to this underworld, and she's just uh, not going to let him go. So she goes down there to get him. Thank you, Yelena. We got heads nodding all around. <laughs> Thanks for sharing. We're going to go to Steven. Steven! Hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm Steven Nolly. I am a biracial Japanese Jewish Air Force brat. Um, a third culture kid is now the, the, the term that's used. I moved around every two or three years when we were growing up. Um, went to NYU Tisch. Uh, I went for acting after I graduated. I was a resident artist at the Flea Theater. We won a drama desk and an Obie Award. Uh, one of the things I found was that in theater, I was getting cast uh, because I was ethnically ambiguous. I was having no problem getting cast as a lead in theater and plays. But when it came to film or TV roles, it was stuff on the side of the screen. Um, and the problem that I found from a, a casting director that loved me, she, she said, we, we just don't know what to do with this and, and pointed at my face because it's, it's a difficult thing, uh, when you're ethnically ambiguous for film and TV. And I realized that I had never played, uh, any Japanese characters before or any Jewish characters. And there was just a shortage of characters that were written like that. And I realized that if they were going to exist, I was going to have to be one of the people to write them. Um, so I started writing. I came out here to L.A. Uh, um, and it was one of the things that kind of inspired me to write my script, Howley, which is the, the script in the Originals Bureau. Um, I was 15 years old and um, I got kicked out of the house again. And uh, at this point, my father was a commercial airline pilot. And so at the time, you could just write your own ticket. And so I went to the airport. I looked at the boards and I saw there was a flight to, to Maui and I went to Maui um, and when I landed, it was the first time I had ever been in an environment where everybody looked like me. I had always been one of the most ethnic people in a room full of white people. And here I was surrounded by people that looked exactly like me. And I felt like I was home. Um, what I found, though, was even though everyone looked like me, I did not share their same culture. I did not share their same language. I am not Hawaiian. Uh, and so this story is about uh, a half Asian girl who moves to Hawaii. She wants to be a monster hunter like her father. But when she starts turning into a werewolf, she thinks she can find solace with a pack of local uh, bipedal werewolves. But when she turns into a werewolf, she is uh, a quadruped. She's a werewolf on all fours. And uh, the story is about a girl who wants to find a place to fit in. But what she needs to learn is that she needs to allow herself to stand apart and be herself uh and that's howley it's an hour-long uh supernatural ya um tv pod super cool steven thank you so much yeah. that's awesome you know there's three of us in the room today who had scripts on the stunt list that yes. are maui yes isn't that wild is jonathan and steven and myself as well for halfway for to hawaii which is a feature well so we are going to go to matthew i don't know if you go by matt or if it's matthew but you can uh say hi to everybody we want to hear about you <laughs> Matt is good. Uh, I'm Matt Thudhill. I've been a journalist for about 20 years. Um, I worked in newspapers and magazines. I wrote a dozen cover stories about guys like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Michael Strahan, Drew Brees, Henry Cavill. Uh, now I just work for a celebrity chef, Robert Irvine, and uh, our new book is called Overcoming Impossible. It's about business leadership, but I really want to tell my own stories, and that's where this comes in. Um, this is my second crack at the stunt list. Previously, I had a Family Guy spec on there, and this one for the Originals Bureau is called Caddy Rank. 
which is about life at a top 10, a world top 10 golf course. So it's super fancy, super ritzy. But the caddies, there is this dark underbelly where they have to beat the living daylights out of each other for the entertainment of the older guys uh, if they want to stay there. And that is where the term caddy ring comes from. It's a real thing. Um, when I worked at a world top 10, I had to do this. Um, so it really started my fascination with stories about men in crisis. And that's what I've chased around in journalism. And, uh, you know, and about how when men, if it's on a sports team, if it's on a golf course, if it's on Wall Street, if you have a group of men and there's no moderating influence, if there's no women around, it becomes a Lord of the Flies situation uh, sooner or later. And that is both sad and hilarious. And I lean into both parts of that with Caddy Ring. All right. Very cool, Matt. Thank you for sharing. We are going to go to Joseph. Hi, good morning. Um, my name is Joseph Mwamba. I am a young adult, first-gen African-American um, from Indiana. Um, actually, I should have rephrased that differently. I'm a first-gen African-American from Indiana. That right, young adult. I am no longer a young adult. Um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a grown man, I, I promise. Um, I, <laughs> I, um, I, pr I primarily uh, write young adults. Um, I'm very passionate about writing about teenagers or um, people who are in college or people who like just go to their new um, new city or new job um, that just don't really that go and do things on their own that are super ambitious and they don't wait for the adults. Um, they go and carry through on their own. And so um, that leads to my uh, stunt list script, um, The Knight's Phoenix, which is about a team that gets dropped into a secret prep academy for spies, um, where the teachers and the students find out that their secrets are no longer safe, kind of like a Harry Potter meets uh, Kingsman type story. Um, as I said, uh, was born and raised in Indiana, and then worked for MTV VH1 for four years. Um, and then uh, after that, got my MFA at Chapman University for producing. Uh, then got to work for a year at UTA, where I was an assistant for a TV lit, uh, two TV lit agents, fun. And then um, got to work as a support staffer on uh, a couple shows, You, The After Party, and then got to write my first episode for a Netflix series uh, that is yet to be announced. It, Chapman is maybe lesser known of uh, some of the film schools, but the campus is incredible. I've had a chance to be on there. I know you guys get to like use a lot of it still, even after you graduate, don't you? Yes, absolutely. The, uh, they have, oh man, their studios are incredible. And yes, you have access to them um, as an alumni as well. Brilliant. Well, congratulations on all this. It's awesome. Um, we've got a few more writers to introduce you to. And next up is Stacy Russell. Um, hi, everybody. Uh, I'm Stacy. Um, I'm originally from New Jersey, but I now live in Nashville um, with my fam and my son, as some of you might know from Twitter, Sam, who has Down syndrome and uh, our little girl, Zoe, who is neurotypical. But um, let's see, I write primarily TV uh, dramas and dramedies like Supernatural, sci-fi, um, with a focus on people who are considered outsiders uh, overcoming societal expectations because, uh, you know, because of Sam and trying to do uh, that ice cream with medicine, the advocacy through through entertaining. But um, I've only been screenwriting for about two and a half years. Uh, I grew up 
writing fanfic when I was nine years old. I really wanted to be on Star Trek The Next Generation. So I wrote a Star Trek <laughs> fanfic. And uh, I didn't realize that at the time that, yeah, I wanted to write for TV, but um, I didn't really have a, a lot of support in that growing up. So I did a lot of different things. I have a degree in graphic design. I've done finance. I've done sales. And the sales company that I worked for is what eventually inspired me, along with a very kooky uh, true story out of Silicon Valley, but um, to write Youngbloods. Um, when people asked me what I did for a living, I said I died slowly chained to my desk. And no one thought that was funny <laughs> until I gave it to Mateo, the lead in Youngbloods. And then apparently everybody thought it was funny. But uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know what you guys know about salespeople, but uh, the concept of Youngbloods is about this stoner slacker hacker dad who uh, accidentally finds out that the company he works for is uh, kidnapping kids and using their blood to stay young forever. And it is actually based on actual research. Uh, Peter Thiel, uh, he did a study on this, that if you inject yourself with young blood, does it rejuvenate your cells? Yes, it does. So um, this was actually, I don't know if I can see, you said I could say this. So um, it was a fuck it. <laughs> Originally, um, I never was going to send it out to anybody. I thought it was the dumbest thing I'd ever written in my life. Um, it was everybody else that had convinced me that that it was gold and that I really needed to to work on it, which I did. I worked my ass off on it and polished it for like six or seven months. Uh, ended up getting an eight on the blacklist, uh, top fifty, and um, semi in launchpad and the semifinal in, in AFF. So, um, and it was only my second pilot. So I've written a couple more since then, but uh, this one seems to be the crowd favorite and. Um, yeah, that's that's me. Woo, love it, Stacy. Thank you. <laughs> We're gonna go to Josh and partner. All right. Hi. Uh, first, uh, Joseph. I think I'm gonna start leaning into calling myself young adult. See how long I can get away with that. Um, uh, my name is uh, Josh Price. I'm Sarah Mack. And uh, I guess the most important thing to kind of like has anybody checked in on their therapist lately? Like, are they okay? They're not okay. They're not okay. Mine's not okay. <laughs> not after listening to my madness all the time. Um, so that's kind of the inspiration behind our sitcom Shrink Retreat that's on the stunt list. Yeah. Basically, where do therapists get to go to unwind, to let loose, and maybe do a little bit of healing in the process? I thought you were going to say Coke. A little bit, maybe a little bit of that. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a... Uh, uh, the concept is a uh, summer camp for therapists. So has a bunch of summer camp nostalgia with lots of how does that make you feel? Um, yeah. Yeah. And I'd say kind of as a writer, I tend to like write across different genres, but all my characters are kind of following the same themes of like regret, second chances and kind of big what ifs. Uh, so that's kind of me as a writer. God, it speaks volumes about our marriage. Um, I, I write dark comedy. And that's why we're a good pair. <laughs> and I think that's all we got. All right, Josh and Sarah, thank you so much for being here. Um, I have more questions for you about the writer and marriage relationship altogether. We could unpack that another time. <laughs> I don't want to forget Edward here, who's been waiting so patiently, last but certainly not least. Is it Ed or Edward? Uh, I go by Eddie, but uh, I tell everyone Edward, so they take me a little bit more seriously. Um, uh, which wasn't cool 
back in like 2010, 2011, when Twilight came out, not cool to be called Edward. Real <laughs> rough to be called Edward at that time. Uh, so yes, my name is, uh, let's just go with Eddie. That's informal. Eddie Hamill, uh, California kid, born and raised. One of the, one of the few, uh, I'm seeing a lot of familiar faces on this panel that I'm really excited about because everyone here is so hardworking and talented and badass, and it's awesome to be included amongst them. So when I first came down to LA, uh, I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, just kind of stumbling around in the dark. I worked for a couple of different companies, uh, Valhalla, they did The Walking Dead, DMG, they're kind of known for more superhero type stuff. Uh, and then I found myself in the world of like reality television, documentary, docuseries, doing development. So I've kind of tasted a little bit of everything. I did a little bit of everything. Um, and I had a buddy who reached out to me at that time and said, hey, you want to jump on this, this feature thriller project that I'm doing? Uh, I don't know how to write. So I need you to come on and, and, and help this make it better. So I came on, I got my first produced feature credit, which was really awesome. Uh, and I just wanted more. It was just like a desire to uh, keep going. So uh, I started to apply for more writing jobs, whatever it was. I was like, yeah, I just, I got to do it. I got to go out there and do it. And so I got hired to write uh, actually podcast episodes. I worked for a company that just pumps out true crime podcasts. I worked on three different shows, wrote six or seven different scripts, uh, had a lot of fun. But I realized during that process, they were more interested in making the monsters human than making fun of the monsters. And that was something that I was interested in. I, I thought, you know, I'm not trying to empathize with people who eat their mom's liver. Like, that's not exciting to me. Uh, I want to make fun of those people. So that's kind of where the idea for Murder Town, which is the project that is featured on the stunt list, came from. Uh, Murder Town is peak capitalism. It's, you know, a, a CEO looked at private prisons and Disney World and said, why not both? You've seen the Netflix docuseries. You've listened to the podcast about it. Now come on down and take a selfie with your favorite serial killer or murderer. It's going to be great. It's totally safe. This is not going to be a Jurassic Park situation. It's totally going to be a Jurassic Park situation. Um, so, yeah, right now we have featured our teaser trailer. It's still a work in progress. The teaser trailer is featured on the stunt list right now, but we're going to have six short episodes. They're going to make about 30 to 35 minutes total of animation. Uh, and, oh boy, animation. What a world to get into. But I will, I will cede my time. Thanks for having me. Right, Eddie. Oh, thanks for being here. It's so fun to hear from all of you. I'm really enjoying getting to know you. Um, and so many of you I knew from Twitter. I know how a bunch of you knew each other from Twitter as well. So it's fun to get to actually have some FaceTime together. Next question, super basic. What inspired you to write the script? Where to come from? The inception of the idea or uh, any themes that were really relevant and uh, driving you? And as the writers unmute themselves, they'll just share their name and dive in with what they have to say about what inspired them. Um, this is Nania. Um, so what inspired me is I always go by muses and actors, and I hadn't seen Meryl Streep in a movie, a recent movie, or a recent television show, even though she just did uh, one. Um, and so I was like, what would I like to see her in? And I would like to see her in a, what is it called? May, December kind of romance. Uh, and um, how can I do that? And so I wrote as before for her and as my muse in my head and with uh, Chris Pine, as everyone knows, I love Chris Pine. Um, so, 
as her uh, as her uh, husband um, that she ends up murdering. So, yeah. I'll hop in. This is this is Zach. Um, I, I, I've always been fascinated by like the w- weird lines in the sand that we create within society, you know, and, and I, when I was reading about this town, it's a real town in Canada called Derby Line, Vermont or Stansted, Quebec. And they, literally there's just a white line painted through this town. And once it's just that's where we decide this is one side of this line is the United States. One side is Canada. Deal with it. Um, and I'm from New Jersey originally, and I'm from the part of New Jersey, like right in the middle where like Giants and Eagles fans can live in harmony with each other. Like one town north of me, people start talking like Bonnie Soprano. Hey, what's going on? Gabagool. And then a town south and is that weird kind of Philadelphia, Del Marva, like, oh, let's go get a hoagie thing. Um, and I just the idea of these arbitrary lines that we create. I don't know. It, that's hilarious to me that we can just you can walk two feet. I know there are different people over there. That's a different country. That's a different culture. And so um, all of that kind of like just crashed together. And, I, you know, I've always been like a sitcom fan from like, you know, the shows that they don't make anymore of like 18 episode, 20 episode seasons where you can just have craziness happen and we wrap it up in a nice little bow and we move on to next week. And so that's kind of where where Canusa Street came from. Uh, this is Stacy. I talked a little bit about it, how Youngblood was inspired by an actual research project that uh, was a couple, it's a couple years old now, but I remember it just like really freaked me out at the time. I was like, oh my God, like, can you imagine this future where like these tech bros, like Jeff Bezos and are, like living forever? Um, and, and then especially now with like what's going on with X. Um, but, uh, and, you know, it was kind of sort of based on the irritation that I was having with my job. But, um, as I was writing it and I was developing Mateo and you know, I decided to make him neurodivergent, it became more, you know, about this dad who was different and about just like being different in this world that uh, still, you know, we made a lot of progress, um, but like still um, just isn't accepting of, of, you know, people who are just a little outside, outside the box. So uh, for me, like, that's kind of like the big thing with, with the young bloods is um, yeah, there's a lot of like, corporate greed and the power of tech companies but like really it's just about like being different in this world and trying to overcome uh those those barriers awesome i'm just gonna keep it uh popcorn and around for a minute if anyone else would like to share their inspiration some of you spoke to it already but a few of you i think i have a lot more to unpack so go for it I'll I'll jump in real quick. Uh, this is Steven. Uh, my my pilot is Holly, and there there are, there's like I had a pitch deck with a whole bunch of things. Like it's inspired by Mark Zuckerberg and Priscilla Chan buying up a whole bunch of land in uh, in Hawaii and getting quick claims and 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 kind of taking the land uh, from the indigenous people. And a lot of my mythology is inspired by the story of the Crane Wife. Uh, spoiler alert, uh, it's the, the werewolves are not, uh, traditional Eastern European werewolves. They're, they're, uh, yokai, which are a Japanese demon. But the real inspiration, if I'm being honest, was I was, uh, I was dating a white girl at the time and she had spent some time growing up in Hawaii and she consistently referred to herself as Hawaiian. And I would say, you're a Hawaiian resident. You're not Hawaiian. It's, you are not Hawaiian. Um, but you know, she's got hippie parents. They lived on the beach and all that. Um, and the one word that she was so offended by, and a lot of white people I found are offended by, is the term howly. They get very offended when, uh, if they travel to Hawaii, they're like, oh, they referred to us as howlies, which 
which are the the term for for uh, outsiders or colonizers, really. And I thought it was so incredibly um, ironic for colonizers to be offended for being colonizers while standing on the land that they're colonizing. Um, and so that was the real uh, inspiration for Howley. It's about what does Howley mean? Sorry to interrupt you, but oh, oh, Howley it be, it means uh, it means without breath. That is the the literal. Okay. The uh, the the um, the indigenous Hawaiians when they would greet each other they would they would uh, uh, tilt their heads towards each other and and exchange breath that was that was their communion instead of a handshake that's that's and they noticed that the white people the Europeans when they came they would not do that so they were without breath but uh, a lot of white people it's 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 become the catch-all term for for mainlanders or outsiders or, or people who are who are who are not indigenous to the land and um, but I've noticed a lot of uh, there's 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 this almost uh, it, it's a it's a feeling of pride, almost like oh we we got we got racially discriminated, and they love being really indignant about it. And I just thought that concept was very uh, <laughs> interesting to me. Um, so just like werewolves are not native to Hawaii, um, it's about invasive species and the way these cultures kind of come in and infect your brain. And um, for this biracial girl who is. Her, her father is Jewish and her mother is Japanese, very much like uh, myself and also Mark Zuckerberg and uh, and uh, and Priscilla Chan. Uh, so that was the inspiration for writing the series. We'll, we'll jump to Joseph and then we'll go to whoever's piped up there after. Thanks. Yes, um, this is Joseph. Yeah, um, I, my story is not as fun. Um, I, um, unfortunately, when I was writing um, Night Phoenix or before I wrote Night Phoenix, um, this was actually following um, George Floyd. And um, I had unfortunately um, had to go back to Indiana to uh, go to a funeral and I uh, COVID related. And I then was in Chicago for a few days and was supposed to fly back to L.A. And I realized as I was about to literally press the button to um, check into my flight, it was the first time I ever had my body freeze um to the point where it's just like what's going on like this has never happened what what what's going on and just realizing that this was the most depressed i've ever been in my life and it kind of you know you go through your emotions and you go okay let's unpack this all that sort of stuff and then i kind of realized like part of it is just like i just wasn't seeing black people win i was just so angry and frustrated that black people were just not winning and i kind of thought at that point okay well let's see what would you what would i have wanted to see if I were 12, 13, 14, what was something I would have wanted to see on TV that I just never see? And I go, a main black character, number one. But number two, um, seeing a black kid being under like being incredible and being fun and being funny and um being just being smart. And while I have to give credit to Disney, they did do Casey Undercover at some level. Um, I wanted to do one that wasn't, you know, multi-cam laughter. I wanted to be wanted it to be something that was taken seriously, like um, uh, like many of the other shows on like NBC, like the uh, like the Blacklist type of stuff. So I just literally sat down at my desk and I just started writing about a black spy, and then that became oh well, let's put him in school, and then that became like well Harry Potter, but like what if they were spies? And that just led to eventually like Phoenix, and um, I'm I was just really proud of it by the end of it, and it got a lot of love. From it. I love that. Joseph, how old is your protagonist story? He is, I have to think about it because I always, I always have to remember like, oh yeah. So when I was 16, I was a sophomore, right? So of uh, uh, 15, 16. Love it. 
And just a reminder for all the listeners, these scripts are available for you. To, you can download, you can read these scripts. I know we have a lot of uh, audience who are in the industry, uh, fellow writers, aspiring screenwriters, those who are both in film school and those who are working in the industry. And um, that uh, website that I had given, um, which is officialstuntlist.com is where you can download those scripts. Uh, Liz, is there any particular like subnav that people need to know about to find this particular group? Can you speak to that for a sec? Um, right now, I believe it's on the uh, page, but can you hear me okay? Is this better? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, so yeah, right now it'd be the front page, but along the header, um, you can find all of the initiatives and the different seasons. So um, this group is part of season two of the original Bureau. Um, and if the if the scripts are not available to download immediately, there is a, a request script uh, button, and you can put in the writer and the script that you would like to request. And we um, either send those to the writers, or if you're an industry pro, um, we can fulfill those requests as well. Um, so yeah. There, that's how you get them. Thank you for that. Um, really appreciate it. We'll do one more, and then I'm gonna ask y'all another question. Who else wants to share? Dive in, dive in. I was gonna jump in. This is Yelena. Um, I was just gonna say my my script was inspired by realizing that the military is one of the largest polluters on the planet, and one of the largest climate issues on the planet is ongoing war. You know, it's not exactly like they can recycle when they're in the middle of bombing another country and just like burn all of the jet fuel and pieces of rubbish and metal in giant open burn pits that give people cancer. And I just started thinking about like, I don't foresee a world where countries never have disputes. So what could we do to stop them from being one of the biggest climate dangers that's endangering all of humanity? And then in comes esports. You know, if sports can go to esports, then why can't war go to e-war? But of course, you know, science fiction is always a dystopia. So in the script, the uh, the wonderful thing that we're no longer actually bombing our physical planet and killing people for real is also not really the ideal future. Um, because you know, capitalism will find a way to ruin everything, even a step forward. Totally. Ah, it's so much fire. Uh, in all of your stories and all your origins. It's just really fascinating. Um, so next question for all y'all, and I'll just lob it out there, uh, is uh, what do you think makes a great story? And if you share, you also have to tell us what your favorite snack at the movies is. What makes a great story and what are you eating when you're watching? Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in. My name is Edward. Uh, so I'm going to be a bad filmmaker and talk about theater instead for a second, because stories are stories. And most of us are honestly all theater geeks. We probably have some experience in drama and theater, improv, whatever it is. Um, I directed a magic show, California's largest. Which is amazing. Honestly, I love magic. I, I love it. I go to the magic castle every once in a while. If I can sneak in or convince a magician to, to, to let me in. Um, I've been in the illusions. It's not fun. It's that's amazing. Uh, my partner recently convinced me to go see uh, uh, a recent performance of Spring Awakening in downtown LA, and I'd never heard of it, didn't know what it was, kind of went in blind, and I'm sitting there in like the second act, bawling over these poor German kids coming of age in a puritanical society, and I'm sitting there, why am I crying? I don't, I don't know what it is. 
to live in that particular society. I don't know what it is to to be in their very specific circumstances in that era, you know, turn of the 19th century. Um, but for whatever reason, it was universal. It was just a universal feeling. I mean, we've all grown up. We've all gone through uh, puberty. We've all, you know, felt unrequited feelings. We've all, you know, had to experience something like that. And, and to me, if you can harness those universal emotions and make a grown ass man cry and like ran out of nowhere. And I'm, I mean, I'm sitting here like, I try and repress my emotions. No repression. Wasn't able to repress my emotions there. It just didn't happen. So uh, universality. Uh, I think we all try to speak to being human, to what it means to be human, what it means to to live. Um, and I hear that and I've read that in several of the scripts that exist here and several of the stories that exist here. Uh, and those are the ones that resonate. Those are the ones that make me excited to feel something when I don't expect to. Um, and those are the ones that gain the allies, the people who love it and want to shepherd them forward. So that's, that's, that's my, my two, my two cents. I would, uh, if I could piggyback on that, this is Matt. Um, I would say absolutely what is universal, but as I listen to all these ideas, it's, it's what is universal and, and what is really, really specific and unique. So you have these really unique uh, situations, um, you know, totally bizarre things going on, uh, very strange characters. But at its heart, uh, you know, there's there's something that everyone um, can relate to. And then to, you know, ask that next question that everyone in this room would have to answer at some point, you know, why now? What is it about the story that that that's happening right now um, that that makes it um, you know, something that that audience would, would really latch on to. Um, if I could talk about mine for a second, I would just say that, you know, I think golf is about to have a moment that it hasn't had since Tiger Woods is the heyday. Um, you know, what's going on with the Saudis basically trying to buy the whole thing. Um, golf courses were about to face a reckoning in the 90s uh, with, um, you know, uh, Augusta and the Masters and who gets in and who does it. And they have just been able to skirt you know, any diversity questions completely and just and just kind of get away with whatever they want. So that's kind of the ongoing B story in Caddy Ring is, you know, what would make a place like that want to diversify? Well, they wouldn't unless at gunpoint for really cynical reasons. Um, so there's all kinds of mayhem that ensues from that. Uh, I'll, I'll jump in real, real quick. Uh, this is, uh, Josh Price and, uh, Sarah Mac. Uh, you know, I love world building and I love the worlds and like hearing all of, uh, hearing everybody's like stories is just so inspiring and makes me want to immediately watch all of these things. Um, but I think like at the core of, uh, beyond the worlds being fascinating, I think for me, I get so drawn into watching the struggle of the best of us and the best in us trying to overcome the worst in everything else or the worst in ourselves, whether it's a tragedy or a comedy or action or whatever, like that struggle is always fascinating for me to watch uh, across the board. And then you throw in some like cool world building. I'm just drooling and can't wait. My favorite is imperfection. I think a good story is imperfect and it is showcasing imperfection in, in the person I care about. Um, that is what draws me in the most. And what I eat at the movies is um, I like the popcorn with the M&Ms inside. And I want 
an M&M in each handful of popcorn. <laughs> All right. I guess I'm a Reese's Pieces person at heart. I need those snacks. I'm waiting for some headlines. <laughs> I'm an M&M person though, but I've never ever had a bite of M&Ms and popcorn together. So that's going to be next woman. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you got to try the M&M popcorn. My, my wife turned me onto that one and it, and it got me off of the red vine kick. Um, <laughs> I, I was I was a I was a big red vine with the red vine straw into the soda thing uh, that was all me. Um, so no, I, I I think what everybody's saying is 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 really um, I mean it, it's kind of spot on, right? Like uh, Harold and Maude is a movie that, that comes to mind for me that really touches so many um, ever you know, so many key moments for for what a good story is. You know, it has humor, and, but it also has humanity. And, um, and I think humanity is one of the key things that, that brings a character forward. Um, that's something that I try to touch on with Moku Moku representing a culture that isn't mine. Um, so it's, it's kind of hard to tell a good story if you can't create a believable character. And that's why I, like I said, I, uh, you know, I dove into my, my friends and my, uh, my neighbors and the people I work with and the people I've, I've lived with out here for 22 years and looked at what are their stories? What are, what are they like? Um, I'm first generation born in the U S of, uh, Russian immigrants and I have no culture. I don't know. I don't know what my culture is. So, um, sorry, I'm getting kind of like, I don't know why, cause I'm nervous, but, um, no, it's, it's, you know, culture identity is really important. And if you can convey that in a story and, and create a character that actually represents something specific and shows their struggle, but also like my grandfather said, smiling through your tears, you know, creates some humor and some, um, you, you know, some, uh, humbleness in, in somebody's struggles. I think that's what gets there. I think that self-discovery, this is Tim, I think self-discovery understanding what drives you, what drives others, and uh, having characters who uh, think they know what they want, think they know what's best for themselves or others, and through the course of the TV show or the movie, um, find out either how wrong they are or what they have to offer others. Um, basically, journey not just through the movie, but through themselves. That sounds corny, but uh, I hope it comes across. And uh, I am still uh, the guy that uses the red vines uh, as a straw. And <laughs> I'll put, I'll eat any, any candy you put in front of me. So, Hi, um, this is Joe. Um, first off, um, movie snack, uh, uh, Starbursts every day, all day. Um, need to have that chewy, the chewy goodness um, every time I go into theater, which are all gone by the first 15 minutes of the movie. Um, <laughs> Um, when trailers are 30 minutes long, like, you know, anyway, but, um, the, so, um, I'm still convinced that I don't know what a good, great story is to be fair, but, um, in my, um, in my best attempt here, I, I think that there's two things that I think that needs to be, that are essential for great stories. You need to have an antagonist that brings up, um, the worthiness of your hero. But then also on top of that, you need to know it, the, the hero needs to have a worthy flaw. When I think of uh, the the Dark Knight, it's one of my favorite films, and I think one of the best things about that is that yes, we talk about how great the Joker is an antagonist, but why is that? It is because Batman has one flaw: he will not kill anybody. And the Joker, being a grand antagonist, goes like, "Well, I'm going to make you break your one rule." And 
that to me is what makes the story interesting or great because you're watching a hero and you see that flaw and you're like, man, I hope they overcome that flaw. They really are deserving of it. But sometimes it can be the opposite direction. Sometimes you have a breaking bad where you do, where you do, they do acknowledge the flaw and then dive deeper into it or a, um, Dr. Horrible sing along where you have a, um, uh, Neil Patrick Harris's character who has flaw and dives into it. And I think it goes either way. But having a worthy flaw and then a, a tag antagonist that actually like almost raises that flaw up to such a great degree that it forces your hero, not just a, um, the simple overcome obstacles. It's like they thought they were going over a molehill and they are now fighting this mountain, um, of themselves. I think is a back to the, uh, relatability that we've been talking about. It's like everyone goes through that in life. And when they're watching somebody else go through that same struggle, of something small that they realize becomes way bigger than they imagined for that one moment um, in their lives, uh, at least for film, for TV as many years, but um, of growth. But um, once we get to a point where that character finally gets to that other end, it's satisfactory. That's what makes a great story to me. Yeah, I hear that, that catharsis. Yeah, like building off of what Joe said, this is Stacy. <laughs> like character is like king for me. Um, I'll use Battlestar Galactica as an example because I think they just celebrated their 20th anniversary. But um, uh, Ron Moore was one of the showrunners on that. And and um, he talked a lot about that, about character and how they were having... I remember the story um, about how they were having some issues like breaking story in the last season. And he came in and just like wiped everything off the whiteboard and just wrote, it's about these people. So I think like for me, a good story, like people will forgive plots and stuff like that when you have characters that you really really care about and and with Battlestar and and he also was on Deep Space Nine as well um it, it was always about the characters and um you know their struggles and like Joe said like those flaws I mean like Adama was a seriously flawed character Colonel Ty very very flawed character um uh Katie Sackhoff's character uh uh Kara I mean like I don't think there was like one person on that show who didn't have some kind of issue and um, they were relatable. So um, yeah, like character for me, definitely. Uh, so this, is, this is Eddie again. I just like to redeem myself with a uh, classic, like I love Butterfingers. So I like to break up Butterfingers and then eat them with my popcorn. So you do get that like sweet and salty snack. Um, also the only time that I drink soda is there. So I always get to like surprise myself with their soda machines. that are like 50,000 flavors sometimes choose a random one just to surprise myself but all right sorry made it about me i apologize does anyone else have the you can break your diet and eat anything you want at the movie theater because i know that that's me too it's like hell yeah i'm ordering all this stuff now they have the gucci theaters here in our local area where it's like and that's what we call them I, they all have different names but like where they bring wine and you can order off the menu and it's like all fancy i could get a gluten-free hamburger now i'm like I, you i'll never leave the, the theater yeah. is where we get this is Jonathan. the theater is where we go to escape and so that also counts for the food that you eat there um <laughs> it, it doesn't count i couldn't eat like that in church and you know movies have become my church and it's like the, you get to break all the rules and still be transported somewhere hopefully closer to something that makes you feel more alive which has become my only remaining definition of god <laughs> as a recovering christian um but uh, I, we're at the hour. I'm going to go a little bit longer just because I, if you have to dive off, you have to dive off. I totally understand. I know some of you are like maybe on your lunch breaks. Um, but because the show is called Hollywood Wolf Pack, 
I ask this of all my special guests. So I want to ask you today too, who is in your wolf pack? Who do you wish was in your wolf pack? This is Yelena. Um, I actually kind of gained a new wolf pack over the course of the strike this summer, which was <laughs> kind of the the upside of the uh, many months of not being able to look for work. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the crazy people who jumped in front of trucks with me on location pickets have pretty much become my wolf pack. So just uh, wanted to give a little little nod to the uh, rapid response task force. This is Zach. Um, I, you know, I, I got lucky in the sense of a lot of my friends from home are, are sometimes the people that I'll I'll bounce like scripts off of or like, hey, what do you think? Or hey, I have I have just a joke for a sketch. Like, can we just do it? You know. But moving across the country to LA and having to like find a new wolf pack has been sort of you know that's the scary thing. Like everyone's like, oh, do I move to Los Angeles? Yes, and also it's horrifying. Um, but just to shout out like Joe and Yelena, I mean, what they do, like within the writing community of their, um, you know, all their mixers and like they're kind of the the mayors of like writing land in real life. And I've met a bunch of people like Eddie and Stacy and, um, you know, I, I've met so many people just through like the mixers that they do. So I'm just I'm grateful to be on in their wolf pack um, and they, they're doing more for writers and, you know, we'll ever be able to thank them for it. So just want to shout those guys out. Yeah, my wolf pack is uh, sorry. This is Matt. Uh, my wolf pack is all other journalists and stuff, and I, I need a new one. Um, I'd love to get into this wolf pack. Um, while everyone was talking, I, I if I could find you on Twitter, I, I followed you. So, um, so hopefully, you can be my new wolf pack. Love it, Matt. Um, Matt, I feel badly for your ex wolf pack if they're listening. <laughs> um, I uh, I just want to really highly recommend that you marry a wolf pack <laughs> because um living with someone who can kind of hold you accountable and be supportive because i don't know if anyone else here gets really bummed out about writing sometime it's really nice to have someone in your home who can kind of look at you and be like get back in there come on i know what you're doing right now in the kitchen get back in there um it's really really helpful it's also horrible. It's shitty, but it's it's also really really helpful. I feel very lucky. And maybe someday I can be that person. <laughs> <laughs> now I feel I feel very lucky and blessed on the Wolfpack front. Like the ex Twitter like community, I am constantly overwhelmed by by the support, and I get so excited when I get to see faces and put uh, put that together, and the people I get to meet in person. Uh, I want to collab with so many people and I don't even know where to start, but uh, uh, if James Alexander is, if he's listening somewhere out there, I want to, uh, you know, I want to work on something sports related with him. So, you know, you know, we'll keep chatting, uh, you know, later. Uh, this is, this is Eddie again. Um, it's funny. I, uh, I almost gave up on murder town. It was one of those projects that I loved and I had a lot of fun with, um, I love good comedy dramedy, but, uh, it wasn't until my, my partner, uh, who's also helping produce, she's doing voice acting as well in this. Uh, she basically turned to me and said, why don't you just make it? I was like, what make, make something me like actually like 
turn something into reality. That's a thing that you can do. And uh, she's like, yeah, yeah, you can do that. That's, that's a thing. Let's, let's do it. So we, we put our heads together and we, we figured it out, you know, we pitched it around, got ourselves uh, a great team who have become an extended wolf pack. Uh, I mean, I just have people that I can go to with anything and I can trust with anything, even the most outlandish ideas and thoughts. You know, you throw something at someone, you're like, this is the dream scenario. Is it possible? And they're like, okay, Eddie, it is possible. However, we need to do it this way. And so they, you know, they balance me out. They, they let me, they let me dream. They let me wander. Uh, but they also are that steady guiding force, which I think is really helpful. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard to make things and surrounding yourself with the right people is so key. Just that community. I mean, Twitter before it became the Titanic, uh, was that community. I stumbled into it after refusing for years not to do it. I was convinced and I found so many amazing people that I never would have had a chance to speak to. I swear half of them are on this call, which is mind blowing. We got Zach, Yelena, Joe, Tim, Steven, Stacy, uh, just to name a few. Uh, and it's, it's crazy. The amount of just us all climbing up the mountain together and saying, no, 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 don't worry. Don't look down. Don't look down. It's not that high. Just keep on going. Just keep going. We're all, we all got this. And that's huge. Just that camaraderie. This is Tim. Uh, I agree 100% with that. My, my wolf pack is, uh, so many of you, uh, you, 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 all of you. Um, but Really, it's the people I admire who are new and struggling and who ask questions and who amaze me when they get right out of the gate, like Stacy right there, right out of the gate. She said, this is the first thing I've written. And I read it and I couldn't believe it. Um, The people who inspire me uh, are on this call and they're out there. And the people who connect, who actively try to connect with other writers. Uh, who try to inspire them, um, the, the people I want to be around, the people I want to work with. And so um, early in COVID, uh, I did a, a series of um, uh, table reads, and I made a lot of great connections in those people there. Hi, Nay. I see you there. Um, and uh, so, uh, you know, just just the people who are willing to put themselves out there are the, the ones I gravitate to. I don't know if that answers the question. Candy again? Can I go back to Candy? Um, this is Steven. Uh, I have to say the, the, my wolf pack that I'm so incredibly grateful for is, uh, it's my writer's group. Um, I run a writer's group called, uh, D lab. It's, it's the idea is that it's every writer in the group has a uh, development deal. And in six months, every six months, every writer in the group starts and finishes a new project. And, uh, that's, that's not, that's not an easy thing for every writer, but every writer uh, in, in the group commits to that. And by the end of the season, they all have it. Um, and it's so incredibly supportive and not just supportive in in the kind of uh, uh, cloying, coddling way. But it, it, the idea is that we give each other honest and candid notes to prepare our scripts for the real world uh, with the idea that if you are about to go into a business uh, 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 meeting and you have spinach in your teeth and you ask one of your colleagues how do i look am i ready am i set and they say you look great you're going to go and kill it and they don't tell you that you have something in your teeth they're not your friend uh so these writers we help each other get these scripts ready to go out and i think it's i mean it's done it's it 
it it's often not the, the kind of feedback that you always want to hear. All you want to hear is this is fantastic. Don't change a thing. It's ready to go out. Someone should buy this right now. But that's not going to help get your script better. Um, and I think I think it does pay off. Um, it it, pay, it pays off uh, in 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 dividends. Steve Holbert, who couldn't be here today, is also uh, on the Originals uh, Bureau, and he's in my writers group. Uh, the current AFF uh, a drama pilot champion, Austin Elliott, it came from my writers group. Uh, I'm I'm just so uh, humbled by the amount of talent that 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 they bring in, and also I get to steal every good habit that they have, and I see their works in process. And I see how they solve problems and how they pitch ideas. And for me, that has helped me grow my writing and my pro uh, my process so immensely because I I get to I get to um, take everything from these incredibly amazing talented writers and and use it for myself. So I'm I'm indebted to my Wolfpack. Um, That's awesome. Oh, go ahead, Nani. Go ahead, Jay. Um, this is Nania, and um, I'm just gonna you know, just jump on a wagon with Tim and um, Steven because um, the wolf pack um, that I have is just so great. We call him writing fam. Um, uh, Tim was one of the first people to read one of my scripts and give me <laughs> um, some male perspective of the male voice I was trying to write um, in an action thriller um, that Ashley went, in, went on and got a shopping agreement on. Um, but my writers group, they, you know, I was new to this, totally new. I was writing short stories. I wasn't doing any script writing. And so um, to be folded into the group um, and to have their their them as a sounding board and for them to give me honest feedback, like honest feedback, not, oh, this looks good. You, you know, you still have that green thing in your tooth. Um, but it's, it's really great. And I have learned so much from just even reading their writing and understanding how they do it. And, you know, them listening to me, you know, go do a, a pitch to make sure that I'm ready to pitch. Um, they have just been the most wonderful group of people, but as a whole, when Twitter screenwriting was a thing, um, that group, the people on Twitter, um, the screenwriting group in Twitter was wonderful. You can just say, Hey, does anyone have any time to read anything and give me feedback? People were very lovely and giving. Um, I'm just going to throw this out here. Threads is, Threads is a great place for screenwriters right now if you're looking for another home from Twitter. So I'm just going to throw that out there. Threads has a great home for screenwriters right now if you're looking for another home. But yeah, this has been lovely. I'm so grateful to meet every single one of you and try to make sure I'm following every single one of you guys. Um, but yeah, just, the, just the, the, give, the people who love to just give of their time and to help you become better um, and then they also learn from you too. So it's the give and take of, of networking and, um, growing relationships with people that has been just wonderful, um, as my time of being on Twitter, um, and learning people in my wolf pack. I'm a uh, John from Kinsey and I'm a wolf pack horse. Um, I have little wolf packs all over the place for for mokumoku i i have uh, kavika hoke my co-creator and brad starks who uh, is also our producer and has really kind of put the whole uh trio together for that and and so there's super cool core wolf packs that i have for this production i have um you know x twitter um today you know we were in uh lockdown happy hour during covid by uh, momoshadi and and that's just been such a cool little group of people 
Tim, I know we've traded scripts around. I have some old friends from us, uh, you know, elementary school who I still check in with and we check in with each other. Family, you know, I, I've got, you know, my wife and kids and, and they're always keeping me humble and keep me on task. But it's like, I, I feel like if I don't have these, these little groups, because they all help me focus on small little tasks that I need, not just writing, but, but life in general. And uh, so, yeah, that's, I, I don't know. I've always just, maybe it's a little, um, I don't know, look a squirrel. You know, I, I need, I need kind of attention from different areas, I think, but everything kind of keeps me on task that way. And, and if I don't have eyes on me, then I become stagnant. If I have eyes on me, I feel like the pressure of like, oh, okay, I've got to keep doing something, you know? So yes, again, Wolfpack Orc. Jonathan, I just want to commend your grace, you know, yours and the whole team, because I know you were personally affected by the Lahaina fire and uh you know our hearts go out to you to the team to everyone who has been so impacted by what happened in Lahaina uh, and the losses and were you able to reopen your restaurant Fawn? Yeah, we just we just reopened. So along with writing, I um I run a bar at our restaurant um just north of where the fire was. Um we just reopened on November 15th. So we are back up and, and running again. We were shut down for three months while the, the area sort of recouped. recouped. Uh, we had, uh, out of the, the staff that we have, which isn't huge, but out of the staff we had, over 50% either lost a home or displaced from a home like myself. So we really had to do a personal check-in with everybody and make sure, one, they were physically in, in, a, in a place that they can go ahead and get back to work, and two, that they were mentally prepared to go back to work. Um, because, um, you're not going into that too much, but it's, it's going to be a long running, uh, you know, rebuild not just again, physically, but, but mentally. So yeah, it's, it's, it's good to be back open and have the distraction. You know, another wolf pack of mine is, is my restaurant crew. Uh, it's good to have the distraction, get back into work and, and not have to think about, um, the stuff that's been bogging my mind for the last almost four months now. Everybody listening, just go vacay in Maui and go find Jonathan <laughs> at his restaurant. Read the Maui scripts that are on the stunt list. And any film financiers listening, you have a studio that you could finance in Maui as well. Yes, yes, ma'am. <laughs> that's that's the big goal is is to get a film economy out here and not rely okay. on tourism alone. Yeah, um, this is Joe, um, Joseph here. Um, and it's funny because we were talking about wolf packs and, um, <clears throat> uh, as I kind of mentioned, I feel like I have like a wolf population more. Um, and well, I'll, I'll briefly speak about my writers group really quick. Um, because I was getting frustrated with the notes I was getting back for my scripts. Um, cause all the notes I was getting, I were getting, I was getting uh, were closer to, you know, treating my scripts like a breaking bad or a, the Americans or a secession and that those weren't helpful to me. So I was like, well, I'll just create my own. So I created my own writers group that was specifically young adult driven. And like, I can't talk to you about like how much I changed night to day, like over a year to put that writers group. Um, it was a transformational thing where I got, you know, let's even say, like, you learn everybody's good habits. Like, you bring somebody who's great at dialogue. You bring somebody who's, I was specifically the structure person in my group. You bring somebody who's really great at, um, knowing when to make certain changes, where to cut all that type of stuff. And, um, and you have somebody who can creatively push you, um, on the edge of like, Hey, you don't have to do it this way. You got to push it in the, to this extreme. And, 
um, just not, it sincerely grew me as a writer just in the, like just in a few months. And then within a year, it was um, incredible. So um, they really did help me out a lot. Uh, Sarah, Sarah Haley, um, Crystal, um, Ben, Thomas, uh, all you guys like really helped me. I, I personally feel like I, I, I sincerely would be nowhere without um, this community. And um, I, I am truly, truly, truly blessed um, to have every single one of you um, as part of um just part of my team. I, I don't view it as just my writers group. I, I sincerely see the emerging writing community um, as my wolf pack. It's a large population, but um, I, I truly would not be here if it wasn't for every single one of them. And so I'm very thankful for them. I love all the shout outs and the love. Thank you so much. It's a, it's important for, you know, up and coming writers to realize that they they do need a wolf pack and there are places that they can plug in. I'm going to go down with the ship of Titanic Twitter <laughs> or X or whatever it is. I'm still um, maybe some child optimism still alive in me that like it will go at a garage sale price to some other awesome entrepreneur who let's save it <laughs> and restore it to its original beautiful. <laughs> I mean, it was hellacious, but hey, you know, now we actually see what hellacious really looks like. And we thought it was bad before. Oh, my God. But uh, I still I'm so hopeful that it's not just going to completely go bankrupt or something. But, you know, you never know. I want to thank you all for being here on uh, today's show. Let remind all of our listeners that you're going to be able to go into the show notes, click on that link to go check out the stunt list and this originals Bureau of Television Pilots. You can watch some of them, right? The ones that have been produced, you can download others. And in the show notes, you'll be able to follow all of the writers and be friends with them. Reach out, ask them what they're working on, make a new friend. That's what we're all about here. So thank you guys so much for being on this episode of Hollywood Wolfpack and happy holidays to everybody. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Entertainment Business Wisdom. We invite you to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Please like, review, and share it with your friends and colleagues. Kaya Alexander can be reached on Twitter for your questions or comments at This Is Kaya. Get entertainment business career training as well as a free special report, How to Pitch Anything in One Minute, at www.entertainmentbusinessleague.com. Thank you. Thank you.